0: Welcome back to the Anything Goes With Jackson Neal podcast for Saturday, April 8th. On today's show, I am joined by musicians On Q and Braxton Cook, as well as Sporting News basketball writer Jordan Greer to discuss the NBA playoffs. First up is On Q, a hip hop artist coming out of New York. He's nominated to be a double XL freshman, released his EP, Perfectly Tragically Flawed, late last month. Here's the interview with him. So, what was the inspiration for your latest EP?
1: um perfectly tragically flood uh you know the inspiration kind of was honestly just kind of growing to um appreciate myself uh as a as a person as a human as an artist as a songwriter um you know i i just kind of seen some ups and downs in my in my life and in my career thus far and and i think you know perfectly tragically flood uh really it's just me accepting me, really. To be mm-hmm. honest, yeah.
0: Yeah, there seemed to be this almost theme of maturation throughout the project. Yeah, man. I mean,
1: I don't. In a way, I, I, it, that's interesting. You put it that way. I think. I guess you know. I guess in in the more. Um, broader sense for sure you know i'm definitely i'm definitely admitting to my faults and and speaking on my shortcomings a lot and being forthright with them so i guess that's a part of maturing <laughs> you know what i mean like i haven't really thought about it like that but yeah how would yeah, you that's a good point
0: how have you thought about it how would you describe it
1: um i think i i guess it's much maturing kind of just accepting who you are right uh mm-hmm. And trying to you know work on your flaws and stuff like that. Um, I kind of just I didn't really think about the maturation process. I really just kind of thought about like this is me take it or leave it type of thing. And um, I don't know if that really answers your question, but but yeah, that's that's interesting. You put it that way.
0: Definitely. Is that where this the name um, perfectly tragically flawed came from? Yeah,
1: totally. You know, every every project I make, every full body of work so to speak i i kind of really want to just give the listener me you know when i set to make these uh these full lengths um that so to speak or just kind of a project you know obviously perfectly tragically flawed is an ep um but i i set out to write it like an album you know what i mean like a, a short more condensed album so with that being said Every time I put out something that I really put a lot of thought into, I just try to give them me. And I was kind of really thinking about the mission statement and and it kind of just came back to like, I'm not perfect and that's okay. And I've fallen down and I've got back up and I've, you know what I mean? I've bumped my head, but I, I tend to, you know, at least, you know, stay above water somehow, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely that whole accepting of yourself, I guess. How would you describe um, your song, Cry Wolf, one of your biggest songs off the tape?
1: to describe cry wolf um cry wolf kind of is an interesting record for me because i think it's it's the crossroads of kind of all the sounds i've dabbled with you know through through the for my career to be honest um i kind of hit the scene late 2011 so in that time span obviously you know, doing the singing stuff and, and doing obviously being a, a rapper, um, I've really explored different sounds, you know. And I think Cry Wolf to me is is kind of just like a combination of almost everything I've done in a way. Uh, it's very like new me, like the new version of me, so to speak, because it is kind of you know, there's a lot of trap drones, it's very 808 heavy, but the main loop. That you know, uh, Jimmy Tamborello helped out with is very reminiscent of what I used to do in the past when I first came out. So, to me, Cry Wolf's just kind of a combination of on cue, uh, all in one, really.
0: So you're, you're saying that you've, your um, sound has really evolved. How would you categorize like your sound right now?
1: My sound right now is it's a very good question. You know. I don't really stop in and think about it. So I can't really hit you with, (laughs) with Mm -hmm. a very short, concise answer, but I mean, it's melodic. It's melodic hip hop. It's, it's, it, it it borrows a lot of textural ideas from, you know, indie rock and alternative and electronic. But, you know, a lot of the times I'm influenced by R and B and I kind of always say that, you know, to be, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm a fan first, you know, mm-hmm. so and then a musician second, so to speak.
0: Yeah, you def- and definitely a lot of your songs, you can really hear that uh, melody come through. So is R&B your biggest inspiration? Um, no, it has been lately, though. Okay. I-, I will
1: give it that. You know what I mean? Like, it has been lately. Like, uh, I've just been listening to R&B a lot for the last couple of years, like more than I usually did. I mean, I've been listening to R&B since I was a little kid, but lately it's just kind of spoke to me a little bit more i i feel like indie rock was kind of at its peak like in the early 2010s kind of when i first came out and i was super heavily influenced by it you know um because it was all i was listening to and uh in my in my opinion you know indie rock kind of has seen a drop so to speak in terms of just you know evolution and inspiration and stuff like that so R B has kind of taken that that seat other than obviously hip hop, you know?
0: hmm Um, definitely. I also noticed that you are up for being a freshman one of the freshman ten. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um it means a lot. Uh
1: I I grew up, you know, reading double XL. You know what I mean? Like even even when the internet was prevalent because at a certain point obviously you know that elephant in a room is print is you know kind of dead but Mm -hmm. i I grew up i grew up reading it you know and it's just like i i've been working
0: working my you know i can't swear right it's an fm station (laughs) yeah so if you could keep it clean that would be helpful yeah
1: yeah, (laughs) i've been you know i've been working very hard for for a long time now and you know the the double XL freshman thing is just kind of you know confirmation that you're doing something right, whether whether you win it or not. Um, there's politics involved, obviously, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean it's, it's it's a big thing. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the biggest biggest thing in my you know career goals list. You know what I mean? But but to a lot of people, especially like back home from where I'm originally from. I think a lot of people are surprised. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they, they, people see me moving out here, but when double XL, you know, nominates me as a potential freshman, it's kind of like confirmation for other people besides me and my team.
0: Definitely. Which is a weird thing. It's an incredible, it's incredible. It's, it's really on that national stage. I mean, you look at recent artists that have gone on to become big and lots of them were freshmen. So it's definitely a huge, huge honor. Um, Just going back to your uh, tape, perfectly tragically flawed. your ep yeah what would would you want people to take away from it after listening
1: um oh crap uh kind of just be comfortable in your own skin you know if if we're talking like a a thesis you know Mm what i mean um just being comfortable in your own skin and just kind of like accepting really yourself, you know what I mean? Like a listener as well. Cause that's really what the the project was about. I just, I, it, it followed up a project where I was very in a, in a bad dark place. And I was literally, it was called angry young man. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know, but I mean, just off, you know, very more on a shallow tip is that I'm very good at what I do. And I'm very slept on at what I do. And uh, I I think I think you know I I don't know if it's the best project I've ever made to date. That's not for me to decide. But I do think it's the most well-rounded project I've made thus far in my career. Um, and that that just goes to evolving as an artist. You know what I mean? Like knowing, you know, kind of kind of what you're good at, and kind of a little bit honing in on that, and then expanding on that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll definitely go and vote for On Cue as a double XL freshman. It's a huge honor, and thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. After On Cue was Braxton Cook. Cook is a saxophonist that is educated by the Juilliard School, and now since graduating, he has focused more on his solo career. His debut album, Somewhere in Between, is releasing April 13th, and I had a chance to speak with him about some of his latest singles and his upcoming album. How would you describe your single, I Can't? Uh,
2: I think, well, it's a it's a love song. I mean, it's, um, I guess, uh, if you mean genre-wise, how I'd describe it. I think it's still very much in the jazz vein and, and, and instrumentation. You know, it's acoustic bass, uh, acoustic piano, acoustic guitar, vocals, drums, you know, um, with a uh, saxophone at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a love song. Like, I wrote the song about... About my girlfriend, um, it's just about not being able to feeling like you you can't go on, you know, without this person you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, you know, with like, with a lot of the songs I write, I I try and um, I want them to be about both like my, my relationship with music and my, my personal relationship because in, in a lot of ways, I don't know for for you, but for a lot of artists, you know, like you know, it is a it's a passion, you know. It's it's I mean, it's a it's a, it's a your instrument is almost like a relationship you have with your instrument, with us, and 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 with the music. You know what I mean? It's it's almost equally as passionate. Uh, so I, sometimes I like to write songs in a in a way where it's like, oh, I could be talking about both. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so <coughs> this theme of relationships will this be playing a big part on your upcoming album? Somewhere in between. Totally, totally. That's
2: kind of what each song is. Kind of about rela- relationships in, in, in different ways, right? So this song. Um, I think so. It's more so about my personal relationship. Uh, another song, um, maybe, you know, him is more about like my relationship even with, with God and with um, my community and my, and my people, you know, that song mm-hmm. I dedicated to, to, to Trayvon Martin and that's, you know, it's all part kind of like fragments of my personality and, and kind of what I'm about. So him is more my relationship. I feel like, you know, with my people and with um, just being an African American, you know, <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, in in America these days and just, and what's happening with the policing, uh, that, that was my take on, on really what's going on. Um, you know, just that's, you know, in another way, just trying to share my relationship in that way. I wrote another song called the gospel and that's more about, you know, I, I grew up in the church, particularly a black Baptist church, mm-hmm. uh, in Southeast DC. I went to, um, to Union Temple when I was growing up and, um, <clears throat> you know, I remember my relationship with God. It uh, plays a very big role. My dad even went to Harvard Divinity School, actually, and he's he's a pastor. And every once in a while, he'll he'll do a sermon, you know. And it, we we grew up with that influence in the house. Um, uh, let me see, uh, "Runaway," another love song I wrote for my girl. It's kind of about um, uh, long distance, actually. You know, just being being away and all the traveling and touring I've had to do over the past couple of years with Christian. Um, that song was kind of about, yeah, like, you know, missing that person that you love and, and trying to keep relationships uh, together when you're thousands of miles apart and all you've got is a computer screen to kind of stay in touch. So it's like, uh, yeah, and in a lot of different ways, the album is about relationships and different aspects.
0: You mentioned one of song. Relationships I have in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yeah. one song where you're okay. going to discuss a little bit about uh, Trayvon Martin. As a musician, do you feel it's important to talk about social issues?
2: Absolutely, I mean, yeah. As, I, as a musician, I do. As a, as a jazz musician in particular, I think is very important. I think we both aware of, of the connection between jazz and social and civil rights and social issues. And um, I definitely think that there's, you know, that that part of the music is is very important. That that inspires the art. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think art ends up being an expression coming out of so a lot of those kind of trials and and and, and hardships. Uh, and we've seen time and time again, some of my, some of my favorite artists, you know, our saxophonists in, in, in general, John Coltrane, Stanley Rollins, both very, you know, socially, um, you know, just very, their music was very, captured kind of what was going on in the 60s uh, with, with a lot of the racial, you know, uh, implications and racial kind of uh, um, segregation and issues of, that black people had to deal with. You know, you we already know. Like Love Supreme is yeah. incredible. With Sonny Rollins, Freedom Suite, incredible piece of work. Um, And as a saxophonist, yeah, I looked up to them. I studied those artists. So I think it kind of comes out, you know, John Coltrane. It just kind of comes out of my horn when I'm playing and and when I'm writing.
0: Definitely. Um, So you mentioned some older jazz musicians there. How would you categorize modern day jazz? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Modern
2: day jazz. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to categorize. I guess I would say I do believe there's a mo- there's a movement um, happening where there's a lot of artists that are incorporating other styles of music more freely. And mm-hmm. the genres are just starting to kind of melt away. Mm-hmm. Um, we have artists like Terrace Martin, obviously, who's working with Kendrick, who's a great producer. Artists like Robert Glasper, artists like Thundercat, mm-hmm. um, and uh, even Christian Scott, uh, Christian Scott. You know, it's like there's a there's a whole slew of artists kind of in that vein that everyone has their own kind of angle and way in which they want to depict what is relevant and what you know what sound is theirs, you know what I'm saying, or what mm-hmm. sound is going to be the sound of the future, you know what I mean? I, I, I find just from looking at those artists and studying those artists, like, yeah, like Rob is way more R&B influenced, and, and, you know, Thundercat seems to be more funk influenced and almost fusion, you know, influenced, and Terrace is more hip-hop, and Christian has got a very deep New Orleans kind of thing. But it's like everyone has their own... Kind of interpretation of of what the of what their sound is and what the where the music is going, and I, I think that's really cool and inspiring, you know. And I have my own, you know. I, I don't come from New Orleans, and I don't necessarily come from like a hip hop background. So it's like, you know, I, I've always grown up with a lot of gospel and R and B and soul, and 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 also alternatives kind of. I've loved, you know, Outkast and 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 uh, Pharrell and and Frank Ocean and Solange and a lot of these other kind of like indie alternative artists that maybe you know what I'm saying. So, so yeah. it's like I have my own kind of kind of route in way that I, I see the music. Uh, so yeah, to answer your question, I guess there yeah, I think there's a movement of, of, of just in, in, inclusion,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, of, of other arts and other disciplines into jazz. And I, and I like it, I, you know, I'm all for it. It's still very much a straight ahead kind of, kind of thing happening, you know, it, it, in Lincoln center, there's still, there's still going to be, um, the preservationist kind of approach. And, and, and I love that stuff too. Um, and then there's like way more cerebral kind of artistic, you know, like artists like Ambrose and and um, and Mark Turner and, and and artists like that that are that are pushing the envelope and and the and the you know what I mean the more mm-hmm. um, creative and artistic straight ahead almost classically influenced jazz and I think all of those are, are awesome and, and equally as relevant. I just um, yeah I'm just more interested in in incorporating some of the other genres, you know, the ones like I guess coming more out of the soul tradition and 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 um african-american tradition i don't know
0: how it speaks to me definitely the it's, just, it's almost blending into other genres and it's becoming like a, a bigger mixture which is definitely cool to see i noticed that earlier oh, yeah. earlier on you didn't use your voice in your own music uh mm-hmm. what made you what made you change that
2: um <laughs> i guess uh my my parents really they were they've always kind a of, they're just you know they're, I, they're just they're not musicians. My parent, my mm-hmm. my dad, he teaches at Georgetown Law School. My mom, she has a government job there in D.C. now in Maryland, and uh, you know they don't know any better. They they came to one of my shows and they were like, "Yo, Brax, this is good, man. You know, really set it off. If you you know if you sang a little bit, let them know." Because I mean, I always did kind of sing a little bit mm-hmm. in the house, you know, and 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 theater and in high school and stuff and and. I mean, it was something like, you know, your parents know you best in that sense, or they just, mm. they, 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 you know, they know kind of all these other things that you could be doing and they're always, you know, always there to kind of push you. So I remember my parents just coming to one of my shows and being like, yo, man, I think you should incorporate that and it, it might, you know, might help out. And I think I always wanted to, I just always felt one being a Juilliard, like, oh no, I can't do that. There's a way you got to do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then two, um. It just felt like, oh, gosh, like, you know, I'm in New York. Like, the level at which everyone is, is doing this is is daunting. But, like, you know, I kind of came to a point where uh, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. This is the sound I want to go after. And the first song I wrote in that vein was uh, somewhere in between, like, you know, a year and a half ago or something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that song was kind of about that, you know, finding your lane, finding your, your sound and your voice and trusting in that. And it was not only just, like, a message to other people but to myself, you know, and a reminder to be like, you know, uh you know when things do get hard just like kind of just keep trusting in that and keep following that you know what i mean mm-hmm. um are you still at i like, suck- uh, no no i'm done I finished okay in 2015. yeah I finished in may 2015. um and that's that's a lot of it too once i got out of school started opening you know my mind started opening up my, my schedule started opening it up to, to, to some other opportunities and other things and just exploring that and exploring New York and exploring myself you know sometimes you don't have a lot of time to do that with like 23 credits mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, full time student uh, but sometimes when you get out of school you get a little bit of time you can self assess and really get to know what it is you want to do So,
0: definitely Well, that was some good advice from your parents uh, if I add, could I add anything um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, looking forward to your album what do you hope people will take away from it uh, I hope <clears throat> Honestly, I hope um, I hope people just feel
2: like wow, like they get a sense of honesty. They get a sense of who I am. Uh, it's like one of uh, one of my first like it's gonna be actually my first debut album. So I put out other projects before, but this is gonna be the first one that's coming out on label with some distribution and you know finally setting up some tour de- like uh, you know proper album. So know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I hope to, I hope for people one to know get to know who I am and two to feel like inspired to be who they are. You know, definitely. And, and to go after that, uh, I, yeah, there's a lot of artists around me that are just amazing. And I feel like um, we get caught up in our own heads. And, and I think sometimes just seeing someone your age doing something could spark whatever, you know, who knows that could spark. So,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on, Braxton. Somewhere In Between is being released April 13th. Already, mm-hmm. I Can't is a single, is out from the album. Definitely go check that All out. Right. Braxton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks. Anytime. Next up is Sporting News basketball writer Jordan Greer. Him and I had a chance to discuss the upcoming NBA playoffs, some of the favorites we think, and also the MVP race between Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Being joined right now by Jordan Greer, our writer at Sporting <laughs> News. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jack Jackson. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. Uh, looking forward into the NBA playoffs, who looks to be the favorite heading into the postseason? um
3: overall i would just
0: have to say i think it's pretty hard to go against the warriors at
3: this point but the way that they've been playing and then oh yeah by the way you get to add a, a former mvp down the stretch here kevin durant uh, has been looking good in, in workouts and practices so far and they really look like they've kind of regained some of that 2015-16 regular season mojo steph looks great out there he looks like an mvp candidate again so I think overall you have to favor them. Uh, the Spurs may have something to say about it, and then obviously you've got the Cavs. You know, they're still the defending champs, although there are definitely some some issues there. Um, and you've got the, the Celtics there at the top, but at this point in the season, I, I find it hard to say anybody else but the Warriors is, is the favorite at this point.
0: Do you think Kevin Durant will make a seamless transition right back into the lineup?
3: I'm not sure if I would say seamless. I think there will probably be some growing pains um, just getting reintegrated back into the lineup, back into Steve Kerr's rotations, obviously working out and doing shoot-arounds. It's much different conditioning-wise than being in an NBA game. And uh, I'm not sure what type of minutes restrictions they'll have on him or if they'll just let him go. So I think it'll be valuable – to have him back for some regular season games, but still it's, it's, you know, Kevin Durant we're adding here. So, you know, that's a huge boost. That's going to be on, on both ends of the floor. We saw the type of defender he was becoming before his injury as well. So I don't think it's a major concern, but I also don't fully expect them to, you know, necessarily come back those first two games, two, three games he plays and, you know, be lighting it up right off the bat. But, then again, whatever they have in the water out in Oakland seems to turn people into
0: shooters. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Definitely, they've been a there's a lot lot of talent on that lineup. You mentioned the Cavaliers. Are they still the favorite in the East? In my opinion, they're the favorite until somebody knocks
3: them out. I know they've had their struggles this season, and and the the criticism and concerns are fair. I mean their their defense. To put it bluntly, it's been a atrocious post-All-Star break. They're, they're 23rd, I believe, in the league in defensive efficiency. They, they don't look like the same team they were last year entering the playoffs, but there's a reason that no non-LeBron-led team has been to the finals the past six or so years. I, just, I think they're still the favorite at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different than years past. I think the Celtics, Wizards, Raptors, those teams at the top can give them a little bit of run, but I still do think they have the highest ceiling in terms of, of their talent, but clearly there are concerns, particularly on the defensive end, that Ty Lue and those guys, they really do need to address them.
0: Is that the one major issue you would say for the Cavs that they need to change going into the playoffs?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, especially while they were down here in Charlotte for uh, whenever they beat the Hornets this, this past month, those guys, you never got the vibe in that locker room that the number one seed was the main priority. Obviously, you want to win games and be going into a groove going into the playoffs, but the primary concern was we want our guys healthy, and we want to be playing well and be on the same page, and defensively, that's that hasn't been the case. You you see it on on switches, miscommunications. We, we saw it the other night at the uh, double overtime game against the Pacers that Tristan Thompson and LeBron James were arguing there was a screen. Paul George ends up getting an open three in a key situation. And in a playoff game, that just can't happen. Those are the type of things that can cost you games. So they really need to get on the, on the same page there in terms of communication, in terms of effort. Um, and I do expect them to take that to another gear, but whether or not that's good enough to get another championship, that remains to be seen.
0: Uh, you wrote an, you wrote this interesting article about this, the Cavs conundrum. Does Cleveland really care about the number one seed? For sporting news, um, I'm interested to get your opinion on this. How important is the number one seed?
3: I don't think it's particularly important for Cleveland because as Coach Tyron Lu said whenever he was talking to media down here in Charlotte, we've proven we can win on the road. I mean, you look at their, their history. Just go to last year's playoffs, first, second r- round, win game four on the road, sweep both series. Eastern Conference Finals, win game six in Toronto and that series. And we all know coming back from 3-1, having to go to Oakland for a game seven in OCO, the, maybe the, the rowdiest crowd in the league, and win that game. So they've, they've proven whenever they're playing at their optimal level as a team, that they are the best team in the East. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to still have LeBron. Um, But for the Celtics, I'd say it's a little bit more important because they don't have that championship level experience. Brad Stevens still hasn't won a series with this team yet, which I think kind of goes under the radar that that experience does help in being in that situation. And also they definitely play exceptionally well in the Boston Garden, and we saw that in the last game the Cavs and the Celtics played against each other when the Celtics won that. And I think that'll be big for for that team going into the playoffs. But as for the Cavs, I just I think it's more what along the lines of what they are saying: we want everybody to be fully healthy and playing at our best
0: possible level going into the playoffs. Would you say the Celtics are uh, Cleveland's biggest competition? I think that they are up there,
3: but I'm, I'm also leaning a little bit more towards Washington in terms of matchups because after watching those games in the regular season and the trouble that John Wall has given them in particular, we, we see playmaking, explosive point guards, what what kind of problems they can give the Cavs, you know, and especially post-All-Star break with the defense, like I mentioned. They've got playmakers. They've got Wall. They've got Beal. Otto Porter has been one of the most improved players in the league and they've got some shooting around and adding Bogdanovich, I think at the the deadline was a nice pickup to spread the floor a little bit. So I think they're a team that could give Cleveland a little bit of trouble if, if they don't shore up the defensive deficiencies that they have. Um, The Celtics could be right there. They could be in the Eastern conference finals by the end of this thing, but I'm also a little bit concerned in terms of playmaking if Isaiah Thomas isn't putting up 30 points and creating, who's that next guy? And also in terms of guarding LeBron, I'm a little bit concerned about Jay Crowder's injury. If it's just day-to-day, if it's his elbow is something that's going to be bothering him, then who's going to be that next guy that steps up and guards LeBron in a potential series down the road?
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. When you're in the playoffs, you need that that one playmaker to really step up at certain times. Uh, switching over more to the Western Conference, um focusing on the Oklahoma City Thunder. How far can Wes, Russell Westbrook carry this team? It's it's tough to say. At, at this point, it
3: looks like they're going to be locked in a matchup with in the 3-6 versus the Rockets. And as incredible as Russell Westbrook has been this year, and, and he very may well win the MVP and deservedly so, I'm just not sure how far he can take them on his back whenever you need to win four games for a series. And especially whenever he's going up against another guy who has been getting MVP consideration all season in James Harden. I just think that those supporting casts and the other guys are going to play such a huge role in that. Um, It's, it's a weight that Russell has carried and carried admirably the, the entire season, but I just don't know if that supporting cast is enough to necessarily get them out of the first round whenever you're going to play a top three seed. Um, and, and, and the way that Houston can spread the floor against those OKC bigs, I'm not sure if it's the, the best matchup for them.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned James Harden in there. They, it seems to be Westbrook and Harden as the um, two person race for the MVP award. Who would you pick?
3: Oh man, put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's been an incredible race. I mean, just from a fan perspective, it's been it's been great to watch. And I'm sure, honestly, I'll flip flop a couple more times by the end of the regular season. But at at this point, I I'm more leaning towards Harden just because of the efficiency numbers and the impact that he has around his teammates, not to say that Russell doesn't do that. Of course he does, but I just think that the way he plays and and moves within that system, having 2,000, you know, points scored plus assisted, I mean, it's just incredible what he's been able to do and to transform as the point guard in Mike D'Antoni's system. You know, D'Antoni couldn't have been happier to have that guy running this right now. He's the ideal player for that, that offense. So I would say I'm leaning towards him right now, but you know it's going to come it's going to come right down to the wire. And I mean, it looks like Westbrook's going to average a triple double for a season, which is just insane and something yeah. I I don't think I I ever thought would happen. But they're both worthy candidates. I I know people have said you know earlier this season, hey, just give them co MVPs. But you know if if I had to choose one right now today, I'd probably say Harden.
0: Do you think that the team success of Harden's over the Thunder factors into that decision? I think for I think for some some voters it, it definitely will.
3: I mean, we've seen the history of NBA MVP winners, and you can go back through and see how many were on one seeds, two seeds, and you know, with the Rockets at a three and and the Thunder at a six. But I think I think it's hard to put too much emphasis on those because these two guys have just been so incredible this season, and there have been so many great seasons just overall in the NBA, and these guys have overshadowed all of them. I mean, LeBron Kawhi, you, you can go down down the list. Wall, another guy we mentioned. I mean, how how good is Giannis? Onto the Kumbo, Ben, he's not even mentioned among that list, and I I don't put too much stock in you know standings personally I mean it does wins do clearly weigh into the vote whether or not but I've tried to look at them individually with the impact what they've added to their teams and they're two very different situations I mean losing Kevin Durant in the offseason was such a huge loss for that Thunder team and for Russell basically to put that team on his back and not allow them to miss the playoffs is is pretty incredible
0: Mm -hmm. now staying in the Western Conference regarding something miraculous that does not look like the L.A. Clippers will make the finals this year. What do you think happens to that team after this season?
3: They're a very interesting case. I actually had a chance to talk to J.J. Redick one-on-one this past week, and he mentioned that they still view their championship window as open, and they think as long as this core group – in terms of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Reddick, and, and Coach Doc Rivers leading the way, they think if they have those guys, they, they have a legit shot to win the title. Now, I'm a little bit more skeptical. I, I think with the way that they've played and the, and the injuries and consistency issues that they've had throughout the season, I, I don't know if they have enough to overtake that top line of Golden State San Antonio. So I'm wondering if they'll be looking to make some, some moves in the offseason or not. Reddick's coming up on a, on a contract, actually, and said he hasn't talked to the team or Doc Rivers about it yet, but I think some decisions might have to be made after this season if, if this continues to play out and we see the way that it has gone the past few seasons that they're a good team, but a team that's not going to advance past a certain level They're going to have to answer some tough questions and it's only going to make Doc Grover's job more difficult because he has his front office role, but he definitely likes these guys as players, you know, coaching on the sidelines every game. So I think they're going to have to answer some difficult questions afterwards.
0: You know, what is our future with Blake? What is our future with Chris? And determine where they really want to go. Yeah, definitely. Because it's for several years now they've seemed to be not been able to get over that hump with this core group. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Jordan Greer from Sporting News. Is that where people can find you? Yeah, sportingnews.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jordan Greer
3: 42 um, I'll probably be ranting and raving about basketball musings and other random things I notice. So feel free to follow us and read us at
0: sportingnews.com. Well, thank you so much. Make sure to check him out. Jordan Greer. That'll wrap up this Saturday's show, April 8th. As always, check back for more every Saturday. Anything goes with Jackson Neal live 9-11 to a.m. on 107.9 WRML-FM in Southern New Jersey. Check out my Twitter bio, at Jackson and Sports, for the show links as well as how to live stream. Special thanks to OnCue. Remember, go to DoubleXL.com. Vote for him to get that freshman 10th spot as well as go check out his EP, Perfectly Tragically Flawed. Also, thanks to Braxton Cook. His debut album, Somewhere In Between, being released on April 13th. Definitely go give that a listen when that gets released. And also, Sporting News basketball writer Jordan Greer. His work is awesome there at SportingNews.com. That'll do it for this week's show. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.